0: Well, welcome to another episode of That Coffee Show. And today we have a really special episode, I guess, because it's a crossover. So it's not just that coffee show that you're listening to. You're also listening to Been There, Done That. So it's a little bit different today. I have Phil Bella in the room and I've also got Rayan Esat in the room with me. Lovely and let's just say to be Ray, Ray, Ray's good. Ray's good. Ray's easy. Phil, Ray, it's really good to have you in the room Uh we're just going to have a bit of fun. We're going to have a bit of fun today. I so. think
1: so too. I think I mean, we love your show and obviously being there, done that um, is fairly new and getting some great tractions and we're all about interviewing people that have exactly that, mm-hmm. been there and done that and obviously Ben yourself. So we've got Ben Gleeson <laughs> here who's been there and done that for over 20 years in this industry and, and of course raised one of the superstars of this industry and Absolutely. you know, and I've been peddling in the hospitality since uh, for 34 years now so I feel a bit old at 48 but... <laughs> Yeah, nah, man. Definitely so thanks not. for having us on your show, Ben.
0: Well, yeah. and thank you. Man, I love the crossover. Crossover is great. So. Yeah,
1: I've I never listened to something that's crossed over, so no. i mean We might be doing a brand new one here, but you know, I want to kick things off with a question to to both of you, actually. Right. Um. You know, and I just thought freestyle a few questions <laughs> between us. I think we'll solve the problems of the world. What do you reckon?
0: I reckon we could get a bit solved Let's in the it. next hour. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Right. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, there's, I, there's a question question for both of you, right? From your pers- individual perspective. What's been one of, if not the most, significant step change in the coffee-slash-cafe industry since you've been in it? And none of these, for the listeners, none of these questions are rehearsed, I can assure you. They Uh, are not.
0: All right, I'll kick it off. Uh, That answer, that's a great one, Phil. The biggest change that I've seen is actually the consumer. Yeah. The people that go to the cafes, the education... Uh, from the general public from when we first started or when I first started at least, people didn't really know and understand what specialty coffee was, number one, even as a concept. But these days every person has a pretty good understanding of what a good coffee is, what a bad coffee is. Mm. Uh, So I really think the evolution in the last 20 years, what I've seen is the consumer has become so much more educated on what is good.
1: It's a good point, right? I talked mm. about that yesterday, where I said when I started my own business in two thousand and two, which is what twenty two years ago now, coffee was very you could differentiate it differently. Yeah. Whereas fast forward now, it's either crap, mm. it's good, or it's memorable. Um, and it's to your point. That yeah. It's been a major step change. The consumer's Huge. driven that.
0: The consumer. Yeah. Mm.
2: And for you, Ray? Yeah, my thoughts are along the same lines. I think for me, it the biggest difference has been coffee at home. Mm. Mm. I think. People are drinking coffee, but they're changing where they drink it. So it's not just cafes anymore. People are drinking coffee at home and looking for other so- uh, other places to drink coffee. So you're seeing it pop up <laughs> in odd locations. Yeah, Like you might see coffee appearing in locations which are not traditional. Yeah, And um, home being definitely much more prevalent. People are investing so much into home machines now the technology on grinders and coffee machines for the domestic market is crazy. Yeah. It's true.
1: It's a great point, isn't yeah. it? Mm. Because if you see, um, so during COVID, the number one sold white good in a Harvey Norman or Good Guys was a coffee machine. Um, and so much so they were out of stock so many times. So, you know, another great one. For me, I agree with both of you mm. um, and I'll add one onto it. I think COVID's been a big step change. Yeah. Um, and not always for the best. True. Um, a big step change with obviously the average worker – um, you know, was getting, say, $400, $450 in, in the hospitality industry and it was a part-time job. Uh, and all of a sudden the government came along and handed out $750 to everybody. Mm. Um, and unfortunately there was many people earning more than 750 that only got $750. Yep. But in our industry, because we're talking cafes, you know, uh, they were getting 450 to 500 and all of a sudden they're getting 750 So the expectation it's built is that it's very, very hard to get them back to work yeah. um, and it's put a labour shortage... On um, on our industry, as we've discussed, and if we take it one step further, yeah. the government laws, the yeah. government steps in and says, you know, international visas. Um, so you know, without again badgering the government, but the two step changes has been COVID for mm. the expectation of say the baristas and the pressure that's put on the owners. And but the other step change is government is making stupid decisions without interacting with um, you know without yeah. with the industry. So
0: and it's a good point, and we are I think as an industry very underrepresented. Uh, from a lobbying perspective with the government, we are. And I think that goes back to us being as such a fresh and new coffee scene, you know. Mm. You go back 20 years and it really wasn't much of a thing. Yeah, true. And so the m- amount of growth that we've seen in the industry, uh, trying to catch
2: that up is difficult.
1: Yeah, especially in terms of staff. Mm. But you boys, the,
2: Ray, you got the floor, mate. <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of crazy. I, I actually want to lean into... Um, experience a little bit and, and here's a here's one for you guys. If money was no object, what kind of cafe would you open? Mm. Because I think that would really speak to the market and what's what really needs to happen for the future of the cafes.
0: It would just become more pure and more about, you know giving the customer that memorable experience that they walk away and go, "Oh my gosh, I didn't realize coffee could be this or be that. And that's sort of something that I've always tried to weave in you know, to my cafes, showing people that coffee can actually be better. Even in this day and age, we can still do things better.
1: It's, it's a good question It's because it's different, right? For me, I'm a giver, right? I bloody probably said myself broke ten times over and give everything away. So <laughs> it, if the money wasn't an option, I'd, I'd be opening it up to let – all people, just on the back of what you yeah. said, but have all people experience all things, and and what I mean by that is those doing it economically tough come in for free, yeah, um, absolutely, and have a coffee between these hours. You know, um, if 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 you're doing well, and you know, charge have coffees that uh, would be ridiculously priced otherwise. Mm but have them at normal price. So for me, it'd be really around community. So I'd, it, it wouldn't really cool, be sure. it wouldn't be around setting up, you know, special light fittings and expensive <laughs> chairs. And as I've always said, you don't eat the light fittings and you don't eat the chairs. Yeah. So when you're building your cafe, it should be around the experiences for the customer and how they're going to interact and pricing everything right. So if money was no option, it would really be about community. It'd be about, you know, giving people the opportunity to, to a hand up, not a hand out. Yeah. Um, but if someone was doing it tough, you know, they wouldn't pay for their coffee. Um, yeah, that's, you know. Because that's a dizzy of a question, mate. Because what does money, no option actually really mean? Yeah, what does that mean? Ray, what would you do? (laughs) You've obviously given it some
2: thought. Well, um, for me, I had a really powerful experience when we were in Queenstown. We went to, it was a little, little bar. I don't know if you remember it. And the bartender was so engaging. You know, we walked up to the bar and that experience of just walking up anywhere. You don't stand in line. You just walk up anywhere and you wait at the bar. Oh, Bardo. And yep, Bardo. And he With says hello. Fireplace. He says hello and he says, you know, what what kind of experience are you after? Mm. And you tell him what I want. I want something bitter, I want something sweet, I want a cocktail like this, like that. Yes. And he crafts something in front of your eyes. Yeah. You know, and then and while he's doing it, he's engaging. He's telling you stories, he's making jokes, he's entertaining you. So and good. and we were happy to wait 10, 15 yeah. minutes for a drink. And, of course, you didn't have an alcoholic one. And Just I had the a non-alcoholic had drink, yeah. but it was it was sensational. Yeah. It was delicious. And I think we were happy to pay $15, 20 for a drink,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but and still we felt like we got value. Yeah. So that kind of experience where you walk up to like a nice whiskey or cocktail bar and have that kind of experience delivered to you, Yeah. that for me, if we can do that with coffee... I would love to do something like that. And
1: I'll tell you, you make a great point there because I'm banging on it at the moment and um, this is the first time listeners will hear it. You know, we've never paid people in our industry so much, right? And mm. I'm not saying that they're overpaid or not. That's not the point here. They've been paid better than they've ever been paid before. Yeah. Yet the productivity is the lowest it's ever been. I'd love your thoughts on this, but you've got the next question. But, but it's, you think about it, they don't even have to take people's orders. Like when we all started mm. in cafes, we had, how, we had to learn about the menu item. Yeah. We had to know what was on the menu, we had to know about dietaries because if somebody says, I can't eat this or I can't eat that, you used to take the order so you'd have to be able to obviously write clearly, understand, mm-hmm. re- remem- remember people, listen to what they want. We had to do all of that. Yeah. Now most of the order, 90% of cafes are ordering you know, either at the counter or online and people just need to take food out. So we're actually paying them more but they're doing less and they can't even get the food right sometimes mm-hmm. taking it out or giving them cutlery. So that's, that's one of my bugbears and, and I think that that's a good point you made. The biggest expense for somebody in a cafe is wages, right? Mm. It's now pushing up around 45%. Yeah, if you're wow. doing well, it's 40%. It used to be 30 Yeah, you know? definitely. So a big difference, right? You know, yeah. Ben, you've had cafes. Absolutely, you know? yeah. And, but no one's ever had a problem with paying people. Mm-hmm. What they've got a problem with, right, and this is where the listeners need to be really across it, what people have got a problem with is what's the consumer prepared to pay yeah. Right. And the consumer to understand that forty five percent of the, the revenue whatever they're paying, whatever their bill is. Mm-hmm. If you're paying a hundred dollar bill, forty five dollars just gone to staff. Yeah. Right? Is for them to understand the cost it is to have the staff there, which is okay if they're doing their job and delivering. Yeah, um, ben, what do you reckon? Right. I mean sorry, I hate oh, your no. question, but
0: you know what? No, I love that. Um and, and I love that I've probably got a, an answer, you know, which is good.
1: Of course, mate. You're a bloody you, – you employ people, you've owned cafes, you still do. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. You, you know.
0: I, I just think, you know, so much of this comes down to it, it comes back to the owner and you can no longer rely, um, I guess, on culture being a given when somebody steps into your cafe. So now you actually need to be intentional about creating culture yeah, and what you have, you know, so with your staff. We don't have them coming in overly skilled. We have the skills shortage. So the bar has been lowered. Sorry to like people that it's, you true, know, that, it's true, but it's true, yeah. And so the onus then becomes on, like goes on to the owner, which owners need help, they need support in all of this. But, you know, having systems in place that catch culture, what are we about? Mm-hmm. You know, the younger generation uh, coming through need to know that. Mm-hmm. They need to know why. Yeah.
1: Why we need to spend more time with them, right? That's yeah, what I'm finding. Yeah, we need to.
0: And I didn't really want to say that, but you're absolutely right, is that it's kind of on us yeah. as the generation before to instill what does customer service look like? Yeah. Why, and yeah. why is it important? And why is it important from a business perspective? And, you know, it comes back to the old golden rule. You've really got to go, well, how would you like to be treated in a cafe? Do you want to be welcomed? Do you want to make, be made to feel like, You don't belong or you do belong, or that you're valued. And if you can get that through to your staff, and that is tricky, you know, and you do need to be intentional on how you do it. And there are strategies and ways to do it, but it comes back to that. Like for me, it comes back to setting that culture and just going customer service. Yeah. Customer service.
1: You won't get any arguments from us, right? It's something they bang (laughs) on about all the time, right? You know, isn't it? About
2: exceeding customer expectations. Coming case in point, uh, your your point about. Customers ordering from a QR code or an app Mm. reminds me of a story where my wife was ordered from Uber Eats, new restaurant, tried something out, ordered the food. And even in that deregulated, sorry, disconnected kind of environment where you order from an app and Mm -hmm. the food gets delivered to your door, there's still an opportunity to deliver customer service. Mm. Absolutely. All they did, restaurant, really simple, they wrote a message on the back. Yeah, with correct. a smiley face. And they said, thank you for your order. That's all it was.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We ordered from that restaurant four times that week because of that.
0: Yeah. Wow. And it, it, it makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah. You've got to
2: stop eating from this place. <laughs> <laughs> and said, but every time she ordered, she kept getting a message on the bag. Mm. So. It's the one percenters, right? Yeah. It's, it's, and that's why I talk about
1: exceeding a customer's expectation, you no. know, which means going back to communicating with your customer. Yeah. Well, you know, but it, as I really like what you said, Ben. It comes from the top, right? Mm. The owners yeah. have to sit down and say, this is the culture I want. I want a culture of being in service to people. I do it with my team and have done for bloody 22 years in business. This is the culture I want. You create the culture, not me. Mm-hmm. I just give you the guidelines. Yeah. And I give you the permission to do it. So it's a great point because, you know, we, we all get a lot of people complaining about staff and my number one go-to is, well, what are you doing to fix it? Yeah. Your turn, mate. Sorry, I hijacked that one.
0: Oh, no, that was great. That's actually a really cool question. Uh, my one's a little bit lighter, uh, which is, you know, you spoke about the espresso machine becoming such a popular thing. Yeah. Like what was your first espresso machine at home oh, and how question. long ago was that? Oh, great know?
1: question. So I, I was on the bloody – the might show my age here. Again, I'm <laughs> only 48 but that's old in this industry, right? Um, <laughs> it's, um, it was the Seiko Automatic Classic. Ah, so okay, yeah. yeah, so it, it was like that was the buzz time at the moment. You know, everyone's getting mm. Sayeko nailed it, right? They nailed oh, yeah. the market. They brought out the the first workable, that was functional and affordable automatic machine. That was my first one. Yeah, the um,
0: super little super yeah, automatic. Yeah,
1: yeah. Wow. So that was my first one.
2: And how about you, right? Um, I had a Gagia Classic. Oh. I bought it from one of the reps at Harvey Norman. <laughs> Basically they were they had a little stand set up at Harvey Norman and they were selling coffee machines. Yeah. And, uh, the you know, the, the sales rep was very convincing. Well, a little, I didn't little intent- bit of history.
0: I, I was not a Gadget but a Seiko, which they were kind of in bed together. Yeah. To they realize. were. Well, they ended up buying it, I think. Like yeah, would,
2: Seiko bought Gadget. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I definitely didn't intend to buy a coffee machine that day. Yeah. <laughs> but I ended up trying to get one on the bus to get home <laughs> <laughs> in a big box.
0: It was one of my first jobs in the industry. Actually, was going like to yeah Harvey Norman's and those places and actually just demonstrating machines for people. Geez, mm-hmm. um, that's a
1: while ago. So, what year was it?
0: Oh gosh, uh, it would have been two thousand and two.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. so
0: yeah. twenty years ago.
1: Well, see, 96, 97, when I was working at Cosmopolitan Coffee, yep. we actually used to import them directly. In. So the Gadget Classic, the little yeah. gold, gold yes. we used to bring the gold ones in um, with the gold plating and that because. Yeah, my dad we, had one of those. Well, we could sell them for 650 instead of selling them for 490 if they were <laughs> the silver ones. $4.90, so, I yeah, think I got ripped bed. off that day. Well, you, you might go. have. You yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we were dealing direct, right? So yeah. we were bringing them in directly and um, and selling about forty a month, mm. um, which and, and it was a strategy to increase the retail beans. And I'm talking now ninety six, ninety eight. 98 get yeah, wow. Again, I'm showing my age, but the industry's changed and machines have actually gotten cheaper because mm. you can buy a good Breville. Oh my gosh, for six fifty seven hundred, right? But With a built-in grinder,
0: the new Sunbeam Origins Great machine. machine. Is incredible. Yeah.
1: Well, Sunbeam and Breville have virtually got identical products, oh, right? Yeah. They're both yeah. they're both doing exceptional stuff. Yeah. In the coffee space.
0: Oh man. Yeah. That new machine is so good. New. Anyway, like that sounds like a shameless plug, but <laughs> I actually, <laughs> if if I wouldn't I wouldn't say it unless I believed it. Believed in it. That yes. that machine is incredible. Sunbeam Origins, like that thing, for under a thousand dollars. Anyway,
1: here's one for you, boys. <laughs> Given today's expenses. So cost of wages, Mm. first time in history that everything has gone up at the same time in my 34-year career in hospitality, first time I've seen everything go up, gas, electricity, wages, Mm. you know, freight, um, you name it, it's gone up. Rates, water rates, uh, power, everything, everything's gone up. Nothing has stayed the same. Mm. Some things have gone up more than others. Like obviously milk hasn't gone up as much but it's gone up. What's the ideal price for a cup of coffee? there's a curler. Yeah. Like the it. ideal price, and and okay, let's set a standard because you can say if your rent's 150000 it might be a bit different. Mm. So just talk standard stock, cafe, 60 to 80 square metres, paying, you know, yeah. say 75000 a year rent, um, open six to eight hours a day, you know, espresso bar slash cafe. So not mm. full kitchen and all the rest of it. What's an ideal price for a cup of coffee from your perspective?
0: Well, I really think... Uh, it's one of the things that we have not really done well in Australia uh, and we've got an incredible industry, we've got an incredible product but I really think that we undervalued it and we have undervalued it for a long time. So you said everything's gone up. I'll tell you what hasn't gone up very much is coffee like and wholesale pricing. Correct. And but… You know, because it's such a competitive roaster market that we're in. Mm. So but yet green beans have doubled. Green beans, Green yeah. beans doubled in so the last years. So margins have yeah. shrunk for roasters significantly. But because of how competitive the market is, the prices have remained actually quite low. Uh, yes, they have gone up a bit. What is the ideal price for a really good cup of coffee? It should be a lot more than what we're paying.
1: Uh, Come on, you're not going to get away with that easy, Ben. What's I will, I will, give, you uh, I will okay, give you a number. I will give you a number. We're getting to a, number, a to number. Listeners <laughs> want to see <laughs> a number. No, no, he's explaining yeah, it. Know. As long as he gets to a number, I'm, I'm we'll be fine. I'm giving you
0: context. Yeah, yeah, I like the context. <laughs> uh, but you think about Starbucks, right, and how much people have paid for Starbucks. I go to America uh, quite regularly. How much I pay for a cup of coffee there. I'll tell you what, it's a lot more than what I pay in Australia. We And, and I would say our product um, is significantly
1: exceptional. Better. Australia leads uh, to me, Australia. You've mm. hit it on the head. Australia leads, leads the world in, especially milk based. We're number oh one gosh. in the world, hands yeah. down.
0: So, you know, this whole thing of going, well, you know, what are people willing to pay? Oh, $4.50 for a regular cup of coffee. Well, how much would you buy a regular cup of coffee for in, in Starbucks? I'm not trying to pick on Starbucks, but you know, everybody knows it over in America. Well, it's going to be a
1: lot more than $4.50 it starts Australian. at $7.50, isn't it? Yeah. $7.50 Australian, $8 Australian. Oh, keep going. Okay. You geez.
0: know, like it's – you'd be looking at $10 Australian. Mm-hmm. So more than double for a product that I don't think holds even close to anything that, that most people are getting served over here. Mm. Uh, yet we struggle to go, oh, my gosh, I can't get a coffee. You know, I don't want to get a coffee past $6. Well, an incredible coffee – I think should be past that. So uh, for a standard coffee, yeah, standard, you just a you, stand, yeah. standard cup of coffee, I think you should comfortably be able to pay five fifty for it uh, without blinking. Yeah, and that's uh, obviously
1: and when we say standard, that's a six ounce, you know, normal milk. milk. Yeah, um, normal milk. Yeah, yeah, before yeah without you get the into alternatives and, you, and stuff. Yeah, no uh, double I, shots.
0: Yeah, I think if you, you know, if you've got alternative milk and you and you yeah, got extra shots in there and whatever else. You know that could climb up to a, mm. a pricier coffee, but that's okay. Cause, yeah, of course. Because everything. Goes hey,
1: up. Um, I always say consumer pays. You, you know, user pays. You want mm. a, you want a twelve ounce? It's going to cost you more. You want double shot? Cost you more. You want Absolutely. different milk? Yeah. Cost you more. You know what? Consumer different, pays for sure. So
0: definitely more than what we're paying right now.
2: Ray, what do you reckon? Um, I'm going to answer the question by talking about burgers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, so can you can, <laughs> yeah, you can you can walk into a burger and you can get a value combo. Mm-hmm. You you know you can get different points of value depending on what you want. So you can get a cheap burger, you can get an expensive burger, you can get a value combo, and there's different um, value metrics depending on what you're trying to what you're trying to get as a consumer. And I don't know if we've done well enough as an industry to really create these experiences different experiences that customers can demand. Mm. So right now everyone kind of is trained to walk in and go, I'm going to have my latte, I'm going to have my this, I'm going to have my that, without really understanding the different value points that are available. So uh, on numbers, I think menus need to evolve and I would love to see cafes trying this out to go, here is two coffees that we do really well. Mm. One is a $6 coffee and one is a $10 coffee. What are you in the mood for today? Yeah. And you know, 4 days out of 5 I might go for the $6 coffee. Mm-hmm. But the one day of the week I'm feeling good about myself and I, like I want to try something different, I want to try the $10 one today. Oh, I like mm-hmm. that. I like but that. the You've $10. One, yeah, the Have 10. You, sorry, sorry. Over sorry. in Perth, yeah. Lovely gentleman, good history with us. He does that. Yeah. Um, but he does that to quite the nth degree. I think mean, yeah, he goes wow. up to like $16, $18 a mm. cup for some of his offerings. And he creates value experiences and stuff. But I'd, I'd love to see that become a bit more widespread. Yeah, I, I yeah, think for it's sure. great. It's clever.
0: And, 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 and I but think it comes down to
2: service. Your, yeah. your, pe- your person at the till has to sell it. Oh, you want your latte? Do you want it on the $6 coffee? Do you want, do you mm. want to try the more expensive one? Mm. What yeah. experience do you want?
0: What experience do you want? And let that drive it. Mm. And I do think uh, one of the great things is that, you know, with the emerging filter culture that we're having in Australia that is opening that door for better quality coffees and also better prices mm. and people are willing to pay more because they're actually seeing that, you know, it's kind of hard to sell a really, really good coffee uh, that's drowning in milk, you know. It's yeah. possible and and you can taste it, some incredible coffees in milk but I love that, you know, Filter is getting a platform now. The, that's probably one of the big things that we've seen here in Australia that for sure. just didn't exist 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, is that we're getting this beautiful market that's showing up and you know people are willing to pay money for it like I know me personally I've got a vault um, at, at our uh, roastery that's a frozen vault everything single serve we got coffees that go back about 4 years that I've showcased like so my you've got favorite oh yeah you've got vintage How awesome. coffees. yeah mm. and so people can pick from a menu of about 30 40 coffees and basically they go through and choose and and it's an experience and they sit at the bar and they have it you know uh, personally made in front of them for them. They get they
1: get information on each of the coffee, and uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, customer experience. Yeah, right? yeah, that's know. what you guys are talking about. I love that. I love that concept. My um, I'm going to throw a different spanner in the work right with with my answer. And uh, Ray's heard this over and over, but the listeners haven't. Um, is I'm going to he talked about burgers. I'm going to talk about bottles of beer, mm. and I talk about Corona. <laughs> Everyone knows that Corona is about two dollars fifty, you know, a bottle in a bottle shop. Mm-hmm. But they're happy to go to a bowls club, an RSL, a restaurant. The fancier the bar gets, the more expensive it gets. So sure, I've seen Corona yeah. no cheaper than $9 mm-hmm. and I've seen it right up at $16 a bottle yeah, depending on, on the venue. Yep. Yep. Same Corona, same product, mm. a product that we all know that in a bottle shop is $2.50. A product that we know that only touches the brewer's hands, it touches the bottle shop's hands and if it goes into a third venue, it goes touches three hands. Mm. Yet we balk at paying five fifty because I agree five fifty to five eighty five ninety yeah, yeah. is the for a standard coffee should be where it is mm. where it should be. However, we balk at that when we have a product that touches so many people's hands. It's crafted. It's it's crafted at origin when it's grown. Oh, yeah. It's crafted by the roaster mm. who's put it together. It's crafted by the barista who's making the coffee, yeah. and yet the consumer says that you know five fifty or six dollars for a lot of consumers, not every consumer. Yeah. Says that five fifty to six dollars is expensive. So when somebody says that to me, the first thing I say is, "What are you prepared to pay for a corona mm. in a restaurant?" And they'll go, "Oh, fourteen dollars." Yeah. The same corona that cost two dollars fifty in a bottle shop. Yeah. Well, mind yeah. you, like
0: I'm showing my age, but in the year two thousand, I was paying three eighty for a, a regular cup of coffee, right? And that was like a good coffee. But what, what I was getting there to what we have now. Different standard. It's, it's completely different. It's chalk and cheese. And it hasn't even doubled. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And everything else has. And you go back, like, a can of Coke. What were we paying back then? Well, I mean, 40 cents, like the I remember. Guys, but, well, well, we are, you know, right, to
1: the, yeah. to the young people. But, but, I mean, can of Coke was 40, 60 cents when I was a kid. Mm. can of Golden Circle was 20 cents. Like, I'll never forget it, right? But it's all relative. And, and it's something the listeners need to be across because, yep. you know, what makes up? A price of coffee is not just the price of coffee. Yeah. There's a whole story, and that's why, obviously, when I had De Bella Coffee, we talked about crop to cup. Um, that brand moved on with with the new owners, and now we talk about plantation to consumer. Mm. Um, there is a process that oh. that happens before you get that cup of coffee. Yet sometimes we balk at what we're paying for. So, I mean, the key takeaway for me is you know, from all of your answers is that the consumer needs to be conscious about the experience and the emotional engagement. Mm. The consumer needs to be conscious about how good the product is compared to the rest of the world and how far we've come. And at the end of the day, the word is sustainability. And if we're not prepared to pay the right price as consumers, your favourite local cafe is not going to be around for long, right? Yeah,
0: And, and you guys know this, that there are people that are being forced to cut corners. So, you know, with this market because their prices are going up. So the wages are going up, the coffee, uh, raw coffee costs are going up but yet in a, such a competitive market it's very hard to push prices up, it's hard to push that onto the cafe owner and it's also hard to push it from a uh, wholesale perspective. So you've got you know this this thing that is a little bit sad that coffee quality in the last year may have dipped.
2: I do want to disagree with you to some degree though. Sure. Okay, uh, let's take a hypothetical situation. We've run the numbers on this. Mm. Take a cafe that's doing 300 coffees a day. Yeah. All right. It takes maybe four staff to run that level of quantity of product. If they were to increase their price by 50 cents, Mm. they might lose 20% of their business. Mm -hmm. They won't. But hypothetically, if they lost 20% of the business, they then have to have less staff. Mm. They can produce less coffees and do it with better quality. So there is going to be some optimum mix of quantity mm-hmm. to cost ratio to deliver the service that you want to deliver. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's worth putting your price up and serve less coffee. Correct. Yeah.
0: I, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think um, my point was more the wholesale roaster, so the roaster perspective where yeah, roast roasters are going, we need to lower our quality to maintain our... To be competitive our, to in the market. Maintain, yeah. But, but I agree that, you know, from the consumer perspective and from the cafe owner, they shouldn't be shy about lifting prices as long as there's a little bit of education in it. And well, there's got to be a reason.
1: As long as yeah. there's a reason. It comes back to engagement. We found this when we changed to Mullaney Milk. Brisbane, obviously, sorry, Queensland company, family owned, does amazing stuff. Um, a lot of sustainability it, it says, practices. Well, they're the only carbon mm. neutral milk company, I wow. believe. Great practices. And, but it, we're talking nearly $2 a litre, right? So we went to the consum- we went outward in. We went to the consumer and our customers are 400, 500 customers a day that come through the, the cafe. And the cafe for us is like two percent of what we do, right? Yeah. Um it's it's there to serve a purpose and service the members and all that sort of stuff. But so that we put in context. But we said to them, Well, are you happy to pay fifty cents more for a cup of coffee mm. for a milk based coffee? If we switch to Melanie Dairies, which is to us the Best milk for our product on the market mm-hmm. comes with a great ESG story and sustainability. It pays its farmers top dollar um, because they buy the farm, they buy the milk directly from the farm, bring it into Mulaney and um, produce it. Yeah, it's completely traceable. Da da da. And a hundred percent of four hundred people said yes. Yeah, hundred percent. And so we put the price up. And I mean, so that's a great way for listeners to look at it too, is to go, well, mm. you know, on that. Skip me, we say, well, I want to look and put my price up, but what are you going to give a value back to? Something's got to give back to, you know, yeah. to the customer if you're going to move the price. But you know this race to the bottom, Ben, that you said, mm. You know, we, I've been in this industry a long time and I've seen a lot of different ups and downs, right? Yeah. And most people in the industry have only been in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. They only know the good times. So the last bad time was Very 2011. True. Yeah. The last time for the market to spike and prices to go up was 2011. And I was saying it to Ray and I was saying it and I copped a bit of ridicule over the years where I said, coffee prices need to go up a little bit every year mm-hmm. or they're going to just go kaboom. And what yeah. happened a year and a half ago? It happened. They yeah. went kaboom and they doubled. Yeah. Now, compared to where they were in 2011 and now, they've only, they've only gone up if you look at it, you know, the modest 5 7%. Mm-hmm. But they doubled and it hit all at once because yeah. everyone had the, what I call the perfect storm. Interest rates were low. Yeah. Coffee prices were low. Wages were lower. Expenses were low. Mm. And so people were doing stupid deals out there. Yeah, God. Sorry. The numbers don't work. Yeah. And I always say sustainability is backed by commerciality. Mm. If you want to be sustainable, which means you're going to be here tomorrow, yeah. you need to be commercial. And there's gonna be there's already been a clean out and there's gonna be a bigger clean out of all these people.
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: Your thoughts, yeah?
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think you're absolutely right. It, it's just a it's a bit of a pruning time, isn't it? Yep. And like same with cafes, less, right? There's less money out there. Mm-mm. Yeah, so the, the better cafes and the more, you know, once again coming back to this experience, what are you doing for your customer? Because why, why do we get so scared? Like if we've got a product that's really good as a cafe owner, if we've got a product that's really good. So our coffee's fantastic, right? Mm. It's better than the coffee down the road. Why do we get scared about saying I'm going to charge it a little bit extra for that one? Mm. You don't have a problem with it on an egg and bacon roll. You don't have a problem with it on an avocado smash you don't have a problem with it on your juice fridge. But for some reason we go, oh, but their coffee, they're selling their coffee for that much. And, yeah. and, and and I'm nervous to go 30 cents above it. I think we do need to be brave. We do need to back our products. And we do need to look after our customer, you know, in other ways, bringing that service, bringing that community, showing where we can add value, you
1: know,
0: where where's our space in the community yeah, and be point. really good at it and own it, you know. Yeah.
1: I agree,
0: 100%. Cafes are so much more than a cup of coffee too, right? Oh,
1: it's all about community. Right? Yeah. The best cafes are all about community, exceeding customer expectation and
2: making people feel like they belong. Belong, um, yeah. you know, so
0: Ray. Boom. Your question, brain's
2: ticking there. Question, I can see question. I want, I've got two <laughs> questions and I can't decide which one to ask. Ask both. Okay, ask yeah, yeah, minute, ask them both. And then That's you mine. can decide which one you want to answer. <laughs> all right, first question. If you could reinvent any piece of technology or um, equipment in the cafe, what would it be and why? Ooh, gosh,
0: I don't know. I, I, ask me the other question and I'll come back to you on that, <laughs> the one. The other que- that one. The other
2: question is if you could have dinner with any coffee <laughs> professional in the world, who would it be and why? Uh,
0: it would be James Hoffman.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Because I just love hearing his voice more than it's anything like, talk else and to, telling stories. Talk to stories. me, James. Talk to me like, James. Just <laughs> tell me some stories, man. Like, you, it's, it's so comforting. So uh, yeah, I would say James Hoffman. And I I really do shout out to James. I love the way that he explains things. I love the way that he's you know, approaches things in a very humble uh, way. So definitely, James, what would I change in a cafe if we had all the technology in the world?
2: Or if you could reinvent one piece of equipment, what would you reinvent?
0: Uh, Well, I I feel like everything's like changing so quickly uh, that we are reinventing things like all the time. I don't know is the answer. I really don't. I actually love where we are as an industry and what we're doing. Like innovation is constant. And so I, I, I don't know. It, do you have an answer to that I one, i got Bill? one all right because all
1: right. Um, it for me it would be I invent the first machine to steam milk that does 10 different milks because I walk behind – when mm. I started making coffees when I was bloody 14, 15, <laughs> it was full cream and skim and then later on came soy yep. and then later on in 2004 came lactose-free. I now walk behind a counter and watch our guys at the commune and I get heart palpitations Mm. because I read the orders and it's just ridiculous, right? I said, if they're going to start milking humans and use that soon, I mean, it's ridiculous. (laughs) There will be camels or something's coming. (laughs) And so I think the piece of equipment, because what – and again, it's an outward outward solution. Mm. The customer waits 10 minutes now, even when you're not busy. You know, if there's four dockets in front, if it's a full cream or skim milk or soy, Mm -hmm. you'd only be waiting five minutes. Yeah. But I can tell you now that three or five coffees are all different. So every five lots of coffee, three of them are different. And most of them are milk-based different, right? That's Coconut true. milk, soy milk, oat milk, you know, almond milk. And so by the time the barista changes and washes a jug and does it all properly, mm-hmm. that customer is now waiting 10 to 12 minutes for a product that they used to get in five minutes. But the customer doesn't always know that because they're not standing behind. So the short answer is I would invent a machine yep. that delivered perfect milk but had – 10 different milks or capability for at least six to eight that, different milks because nothing's that, on the market right now. You know now what? That, that does a, sound
0: pretty incredible. Mm. That does sound pretty incredible.
1: And the one about the dinner or the lunch with yeah. or whatever <laughs> the question was, um, for me it was always um, – it used to be Ernesto Illy who then mm. passed away and I got to talk to him on the phone, which was a great honour many, many years ago, just after he invented the um, nitrogen flush. Wow, um, Dr um, Illy. Yeah, so I got to, he, he gave me a call on the phone and I was a young boy at the time and um, we had a great – Conversation, um and he was talking about you know you. Um, I've had a look at what you're doing in Brisbane, and and you, you know you're turn, turning things into service model. I love it, um, but I would have loved to have caught up because he mm. he was the one that invented obviously the nitro flushing, and if you think about it, he's the one that really stepped up the prestige packaging, and the prestige branding.
0: Oh, and the price,
1: correct? And the price went you with know, it, right? Yeah. Fifty five dollars a kilo yeah. back then, but. Now it would be Giuseppe Lavazza, and I'm fortunate enough to visit Lavazza headquarters. I'm fortunate enough to be in contact with Giuseppe. Unfortunately, when he was there, he was in the south of France, which he got on the phone and, well, actually, sorry, he sent an email saying, Why don't you fly the family over and meet me in the south of France? Wow. Um, but, you know, I, I, I now, he follows me, I follow him. But is the number one brand in the world, right? Yeah. It's the number one coffee brand, un- arguably, non- ad- not able to be argued, sorry. And I think they've got the highest turnover, wow. um, you know, as a coffee company in the world. Um, um, don't quote me on that, but um, one of, let's call it. Um, so it'd be Giuseppe Lavazza, who's now third generation. Yeah. Um, it'd be pretty cool to sit around the table and go, ask him many questions around maintaining a brand, being at the top of the tree, you know, third
2: generation business, da-da-da-da-da. All right. Hooray, you. To answer my own first question, what would I reinvent?
0: <laughs> yeah, Ray, what I, would you reinvent?
2: <laughs> uh, it's probably a very harebrained idea, but I would love some, to do something really theatrical, something mm. that's still traditionally very hidden. Um, everything that happens behind the espresso machine tends to stay behind the espresso machine. So I would just reinvent how we use that equipment in the sense that let's, why don't we just spin it around? Mm. What if we put the barista on the same side as the customer, spin the machine around, mm-hmm. it will force baristas to be very clean. <laughs> it might slow them down a little <laughs> bit too, but that's all right. <laughs> um, but then it creates a theatricality of mm. suddenly the customer can see everything the barista's is doing. Mm-hmm. And maybe there'll be some element of education there to see that how much is actually involved might go some way to justifying more yeah, higher prices yeah, for because sure. they can see the craft behind it and mm. what it takes to really craft that cup of coffee for them. Yeah, uh, so that would be my thing. Who would I have dinner with? Uh, boss of Starbucks, I think that would be a fun. Howard runner. Schultz. Yeah,
1: yeah. actually, I, yeah. Met, I met him when I was eighteen, Howard in, 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 yeah. in um, I was we were driving from um, Los Angeles to Vegas, and yeah, I got to meet him in one of the in, in all the places on the way. You mm-hmm. stopped at a roadhouse, and there was a Starbucks, and um, I was looking at all the packaging, and I just started working at Cosmopolitan Coffee. And long story short, the lady goes, "Oh, you know a little bit about coffee." I said, "Oh, I've only just sort of started, you know, working wow. for a roastery." And long story short, she goes out the back and goes, "I've got a surprise." And she comes out, and Howard Schultz is there. No way! And he gives me a signed book yeah. of his, "Pour your heart into it," the um the book he wrote, um, "Pour your heart into it." So
2: like it or not, Starbucks oh. matters yes. to the to the whole industry. We yeah. wouldn't be here without Starbucks.
0: So. No, and and yeah, like we do beat up on them. And and to be honest, like I'm not a huge fan of their regular coffees. It's not my style. That's okay. They're they're to their market. Uh. You know, if you've been to the Starbucks reserves,
1: incredible experience. Yeah, right? they're good. The one in incredible New York's experience. amazing.
0: Yeah, I was just there uh, maybe three mm-hmm. months
1: ago. I was there when they just finished it. Wow. Yeah, it was a, it's amazing business. Yeah,
0: beautiful space. And Howard Schultz, I'm pretty sure, has a masterclass, uh, which was incredible. His business brain is, yeah. you know, you could just sit here well, and yeah. listen to him talk about coffee. Well, his book, and, read his
1: book. It's amazing. And listeners okay. should read because he didn't actually start Starbucks. He was He was actually selling white goods. Wow. So he used to sell them the coffee machine. So Starbucks was a business in Seattle that used to buy, um, you know, a couple of coffee machines from a manufacturer and he oh was working gosh. for that manufacturer.
2: Isn't, that, isn't Co- Starbucks what launched La Mazzocco or really turned La Mazzocco from a boutique oh, business sure. into a huge business? Well, I'm not sure. Okay, I well,
0: I don't know. Maybe the, there might be some listeners out there that know more than I do but um, my very crass way of explaining, you know, a few of those things is that Starbucks, their demand for La Mazzocco was so high that uh, Mazzocco couldn't, fulfill the orders in uh, Milan. So they built a factory, they purpose built a factory over in America for Starbucks and so when Starbucks shifted we remember when they had the big mm. fallout uh, basically and then had to sort of redo it all. They went to super automatics, they threw out a whole lot of Mazakos. at the same time they also there's a whole lot of guys that were trained by Mazzocco and they were manufacturing in the States. Guess what? Senesso? Yeah. guess what? Slayer.
2: No. All of that falls out of, all ca- yeah, they all came, came out of that. All came from that. Lineage. Well, I know that's a true yeah. story. Yeah. yeah. They all came from that.
0: And um, like we're all the better for it today. Just yeah. that, you yeah.
2: know. I mean, you walk into a cafe and you see a Lama Zoc on the bench, you go, okay, they came. Fantastic. It's a statement.
0: Yeah. You see a Sinesso, fantastic. Well, you I got to um, one of
1: the cool things, Starbucks, and this is something that the listeners are uh, whilst, yeah, I'm not a fan of what they do with the coffee, can I tell you, I got to meet when I was, I was the first Australasian person to speak at Sinter Cafe. ...in Costa Rica and it's like the UN of coffee, right? So you've got mm. the world coffee president sits, sits in the front row. Um, there's hundreds of people in the room and they've all got translator headphones on... ...and they pick the who's who in the zoo to present. And I was picked many years ago because it was what one what we'd created with Bella Coffee... ...but we were picked because of what we're doing with direct farming. Mm. So I think we were one of the first and I don't say the first... ...but one of the first to go truly and purely direct to farm but what was what we were the first to do in australia at least is that i bought cherries off the tree and i promised the and and so we made a commitment contractually to buy all of this coffee allotment in costa rica subject to quality wow so as long as it ticked the screen size it ticked the moisture levels it ticked the cupping that we would take all of these product. Wow. Um, and no one had ever done that. So it was, it was worldwide news that we were the first to bloody buy cherries off a tree yeah, and wow. the farmer didn't have to worry about who he was going to sell it to. He just yeah. had to make sure he cultivated it right, right? And so I was invited to speak and the, that was a highlight, but who I met there was a highlight. And unfortunately I can remember what he looks like, but I cannot remember his name. He was the chief global buyer for Starbucks wow. um, and, he, and we got to spend the whole week there. And, um, and I mean, I'm going back now 10, 12 years ago. And um, remember, again, what he looks like, skinny fella, white hair, um, in his mid-40s. And the coffee he was buying for Starbucks was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. You know, so when I say to people about Starbucks now is I don't know what they do now, yeah. but I can tell you 10, 12 years ago when I met the buyer and I saw what he was buying,
3: mm-hmm.
1: they're buying top-quality coffee now. Oh, they yeah, might destroy yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they might, you know, charcoal yeah, it What whatever. happens in the roaster yeah, and yeah, the yeah, profiles, exactly right. But, but I did ask him but, this question. Yeah, high quality. I said, how come in the cup you're not getting what you're buying? And he said, the problem with our company is – that procurement is completely disconnected mm. to manufacturing. And I think that's what we've – I took a lot out of that. Yeah. Never disconnect your procurement with your manufacturing. If you're the ingredient purchaser, you need to know what's happening to those ingredients. Um, and it was a lesson that I always took with me and what I did, um, mm. you know, with with Debella Coffee, with crop to cup and all that and what we do at ICTs. Whatever Ray's sourcing, he's got to be completely connected to the roaster yeah. that he's going to sell that product to, who's got to be completely connected to the consumer um, so it's something a bit, a bit of trivia there for the for the listeners because that's, they wouldn't understand. That's really cool. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's I think they've continued that. Bad. I don't see any reason why they haven't continued. Ben, your uh, turn.
0: What, what was the question? I don't
1: know. No, no. Your oh, turn.
0: To ask the question. All right. So for the listeners who are hearing us, um, you know, chat and talk, like, who are these people? Who are these people that we that that we've got on the program? So we got Phil De we got we got Ray. Uh, these guys are. If you can both just summarize like why you got into coffee in the first place and just a little bit about your journey. Mm -hmm. So… Who wants to go first? Ray can go. <laughs> i was going to volunteer. Youth. <laughs> we'll, we'll let the okay. youth go first. Youth. <coughs> okay. Um, Great I got... voice, by the way, Ray. Ooh, Great voice. Thank Very you. Very nice podcast. Thank Very you. soothing. Mm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's added to the to the um, to the other gentleman. What's his name? Um, the world Brewster champion, James. Holly. Oh, James. James. It's James. It's true. true. It's true. James, James. He's, <laughs> he's, yeah, Ray.
0: Maybe I should have said that was my first night when the first and I want to have coffee. <laughs> there you go. That would have been an ultimate oh. suck up. We, we got
2: to have a lot of coffees together today. That was a well caffeinated. You guys had about two hundred and fifty. It's been a yeah, it's been it a feels while. like it, definitely. Why did I get into coffee? Um, I kind of fell into it. I didn't know I wanted to be in coffee until I actually got into it. Mm. I worked at the cafe on campus when I was studying at university. I wanted to be a banker. Wow. My dream was to be an investment banker and I get into finance and wear that. a suit and have a corner office on a top-level building. And that's, that's what my dream was when I was studying. And I was working on campus at the time and kind of... Serving coffees and then running to lectures and then serving coffees again, and that's where I really fell in love with the product and the people. Mm. And you know, and I saw an opportunity there. You know, just to really connect and reach a lot of people through coffee. And uh, I come from a family of teachers. My uh, my dad's a teacher. I've got a family full of teachers. Everyone is just about being in service to other mm. people. And uh, I've discovered that coffee is the industry where I can really lean into that. And uh, I. I don't need to motivate myself because it just flows so naturally in this yeah, industry. Wow. Well,
0: both my parents were teachers too. So there you go. But anyway, that and
2: I like to geek out about stuff. And coffee is the kind of thing you can just geek out like oh, crazy. Yeah. You can go down rabbit holes and you sure can. You know, experiment <laughs> and try because I've got a I've got a curious mind and I like to feed mm. my curiosity. Mm. What about you Phil? Mine was a
1: son of migrants, so I sort of had no choice, right, you know? The, um, I remember I think I could reach the stove at 10 or 11 years old and Dad said, okay, son, now it's your turn to learn how to make a stovetop espresso because um, I could turn the stove on responsibly and, and reach it. And um, so Mum taught me how to make stovetop espresso and, and I used to sit there and Dad used to go to, ironically, a place I started then working at, um, but I'd, obviously I was a kid at the time. Um, before I worked there was Cosmopolitan Coffee and it was the first roasting house in Brisbane that fresh roasted its coffee. And Dad would go there once a week and buy his half a kilo of coffee. And they'd grind it up fresh for the stovetop. And, and then later on he'd bought a bloody grinder at home, you know, one of those old burr things that, you know, would probably the burn the... coffee. Cl- yeah, <laughs> chop the coffee rather than grind it. But I remember as a kid, the fascinating thing for me was that the moment we had visitors over, because I grew up on $450 a week, Dad was earning. We didn't have brand new cars, no air conditioning, none of this privileged lifestyle... Um, but amazing lifestyle in terms of values, family. Mm. We would have visitors three times a week, hands down. You know, it would be a strange week if we never had a visitor. I can't even remember a week we never had a visitor growing up. But the first thing that would happen within 10, 15 minutes of visitors coming over is that tablecloth went on the table. The coffee was on and mum used to be a, and still is an amazing baker, biscuits and cakes and all sorts of sweets and cannoli and profiteroles. And so she would, within 15, 20 minutes, it would be all this stuff on the table food wise and savoury wise and sweet wise because she'd make pizza, freeze it then take it out if someone came over and the coffee was always centerpiece. Mm. There was no beers on the table. There was beers in the fridge. Dad had plenty of wine. He never drank beer but he had beer in the fridge if somebody wanted beer. He had whiskey. He wasn't a big whiskey drinker but he had whiskey. So it was a bottle of whiskey in the cupboard. There was always beer in the fridge but then he was a wine drinker. Mm. There was wine but it wasn't alcohol that was on that table Yeah, right. because alcohol went with meals. Yeah, It was coffee went with community. Um, and that was when I fell in love with that whole, you know, coffee to me represents community. It represents um, – it always sparks an energy inside of me that that's what I grew up with. that's, that's really romantic and inspiring, Phil. Mm-hmm. That's really nice. Well, Son of Migrants, right? Yeah. And, uh, that's what happened. It was, it was an
0: affordable luxury. But the thing that I love is that whole community thing. And I reckon that's something that's probably just resonated with you over the years mm-hmm. in terms of you love to engage people, you mm-hmm. love to give. You love to get in and get involved yeah, and yeah. from humble beginnings, from parents that opened their homes, you know, to other people and, mm-hmm. and invited community in, yeah. it's really inspiring.
1: And I owe a lot to my parents for their values and what they've instilled and mum still turns up to the with dad at the commune and oh. she used to bake cakes but now we've got Italian chefs so they bake the cake instead <laughs> using her recipe. But, you know, it's like it's just – it's beautiful. It, this industry has so much, you know, use the word romance, right? Mm. The, the, the hospitality industry – whether it's a restaurant, an espresso bar, um, you know, a gelato shop now, which have gone nuts. It's made up of people. Of course, you've got your rogues and your cowboys. But it's made up of people that just love the industry. Mm. And the ones that do well are the ones that love people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know? They do community really well.
1: Correct. If you mm. love people and you're all about community, you do well. And, I, and it's not just hospitality, right? That's no. area of expertise. But that's any business, whether you're financial services, you know, lawyer's office, mechanics yeah um hairdressers you know it doesn't matter what industry if you love people and you're good with people there's a direct correlation that you're going to do well in business
0: Mm. and in a world that's becoming more and more connected online and less and less connected in person holding on to that you know areas of community cultivation is so important now more than ever great one more thing you guys did win the international golden bean i didn't bring that up Tell me a little bit about that. What was the coffee? I'll tell you because it's very yeah. quick. From okay. my perspective,
1: I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Bill it, had nothing to do with it. It was all right. All I did was right. I provide the resources um <laughs> and I empower these guys to be amazing. So I just put that out there because yeah. everyone's you know been saying, "Oh, congratulations on the World win. Thank you." Um but go, go congratulate Ray because this this master right right here, he he was the stalwart and and the reason they won was him. That's that's, so, so I told it'd be a quick version for me. That's, it, that's a <laughs> so quick you you, version.
2: I can't take 100% of the credit either. Um, it is a team effort. Mm. Uh, you know, Phil always sets the environment that makes us that gives us the capability to achieve the best that we can achieve. Mm. And, uh, you know, I have so much respect for everything that Phil has done for us because that's what allows us to live our dreams, what allows us to go and achieve things like this. Yeah. Myself... Jesse back at home and Justin were part of the team and Justin roasted the coffee, Jesse yeah. and I worked with him on the blend. It was just a massive team effort and that was a very fun project. And what were your tasting notes? Look, We wanted to, to really do something that would wow the judges and it was kind of classic, a bit of a throwback to one of my favorite coffees of all time yeah. which was back at DiBella Coffee when I first started working there. We, we launched a blend that, w- that had tasting notes of cherry ripe.
0: Yeah, it beautiful. was that dark okay.
2: chocolate, mm. little bit of coconut and cherry. Mm. It was such a delicious Moorish coffee, and I thought, what if we reinvented that? What if we made that a super version of cherry ripe? Beautiful. And um, I think you know when when people tasted it, they were like, wow, that's that's yummy.
0: Yeah. That's delicious. who doesn't want cherry ripe in a in a cup of coffee, right? No, it's it got great, great
1: characteristics, it. right? Yeah. Like your cocoa, you. Your coconut, your, your cocoa, coconut. chocolate, your berries, your sorry, your that, ra- cherries. Yeah, um, these guys smashed it. They nailed it. And um, so good. You know, it, it's 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 all about vision. It's all about passion. Mm. Um, if you've got a vision and you're backed with passion, which is resilience. Um, you know, like I said, these guys are, are exceptional. What they do, and I say <laughs> to them, guys, my job is to help you be on your journey. Yeah. Um, no one makes anyone. They can just only help you. Yeah. And I mean, them winning the uh, the award. Well, what a proud moment! But mm-hmm. I was so proud because it was the reward of their journey absolutely that's what that's what it stood for so the trophy is one thing and it's great yep but it rewards it's just a it's a showpiece to reward the journey of the three guys that worked on it so
0: i I love that and we've we haven't even touched on what you guys are doing now like coffee commune uh we'll probably get to that at a at another episode
1: Uh, we'll put the web obviously put the website on the coffee au and so
0: people want to like catch up with you guys because you are very much um about the industry you're very industry focused i can Say that uh, from experience. I know you guys really well. So, if people do want to catch up with you, where do they
2: find you? Um, look, best place for the coffee commune. That's the central point to connect with everyone there coffeecommune.com.au. We're on all the social media. We've got our podcast, which has been there, done that, that uh, introduces a lot of guests and provides a lot of info. So good. Um, and then uh, within the coffee commune, there are multiple businesses and services and everything. But Coffee Commune is the best starting point for
0: that. Coffee yeah. Commune, check it out. Yeah. That's cool.
1: And the vision for that was simple, Ben. All the problems that I had when I started in two thousand and two, mm. no, no cash. Um, didn't have the marketing. No resources. Didn't have the branding. Didn't have the buying power. Didn't have the mm. knowledge. Didn't have the advocacy. We fast track it all. Yeah. Um, so what are we in short? We're a community. So Coffee Commune is all about where the coffee community comes to collaborate. Beautiful. It's a facility and it's a community.
0: That's so good. Uh, that's so good, Phil. Thank you for sharing. Thank, Thank you dear. for um, having a, a drink and a and a chat. And
1: congratulations on all your stuff, Ben. You've ah. you've created some magic stuff and on the central coast, and obviously roasting coffee. You've won golden bean yourself, and you know and retail, and 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 obviously, and you're one of the good guys in the industry. And what I mean by that is, um, <laughs> you, you walk the talk, and, and you're always been approachable. So it's a big shout out and congratulations to you with what you're doing. Ah, oh, man, I
0: appreciate that. But, uh fellas, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and having a chat. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to going up and seeing what you guys are doing. Yeah. Like I think, Phil, I've known you for a long time now uh, on, and, like on and off at mm. seeing your different events. And you've always been really inspirational in the way that you approach coffee and the way that you approach um, business. You're such a great business mind. And Ray such a gentleman uh, in the industry and so kind and knowledgeable. Really appreciate what you bring. So, anyway, listeners, go check them out. Uh, guys, thank you for coming in. Thank you. We'll thank leave you it there. Why yeah. not? We'll go. Yeah. We we need
3: to go out and get some get so. gonna, thanks, <laughs> schnitzel today. Thanks, schnitzel time. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you okay. so much, Ben.